Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast with me, Sean Tipping. Today on the show, I have got Matt Fonslow and Matthew Scundrich joining me once again. Uh, today on the show, we are going to discuss people in the automotive industry that we look up to, that we respect, uh, people that have influenced our careers and lives in a positive way uh, within the automotive world. So a lot of really awesome people are mentioned here. Um, some great discussion here. Uh, we do a little bit of trivia and then also keep, do keep in mind that this was done as a live stream uh, within the Facebook group. And it was kind of a test run. I didn't give a whole lot of uh, heads up on this. We just wanted to see, does it work? Can we interact with people um, as we're recording? And it seemed to go pretty smoothly, so we may do some more in the future. But if you hear us mentioning the live stream and people's comments uh, through the episode, that's what's going on there. Um, and I think you can still check out the video in the Facebook group um, in case you'd like to watch it that way. Um, and then if you're not in the Facebook group, check out the link in the show notes. It's right there. Click on it and uh, answer the questions and uh, we'll get you into the group. So other than that, let's jump in. Well, look, it says live. Dude. I wonder if I can watch myself. Oh, dude, it's working. Nice. I'm watching us. I'm watching us. Watch us. Watch us. <laughs> I feel like this is a Loki loop. <laughs> well, if this doesn't break my internet, I don't know what will. Okay, now I got to figure out how to close the video. Okay. Well, sweet. What's going on, guys? Can you hear me okay? Okay, I even got a notification. Nice. Yeah, I think I should turn you up. Oh, there we go. So, did you break anything today, Fanslow? No, not really. That's not a good I don't day. know if I fixed anything, but I didn't break today. anything. I enjoy donating to the Mexican border wall at least once a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had, um, after I posted the, or mentioned the programming, I still had uh, four keys on my board, and three of them were from other shops. So it's, it's pretty crazy how many cars I worked on today that were not... Your shop's cars. Just regular customer, you know, vehicle owners. So I just find I yeah. just found that kind of interesting. I thought it was interesting. I was listening to the Cody and Sean podcast, and Cody was talking about how he goes to this one shop, and he's like, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of enabling them to stay open. And I'm like, but that's the whole role of a mobile guy, right? Like, you're enabling everybody to stay open. Like... Yeah, I think I was I was talking about something slightly different in uh uh we recorded with Carm, Keith Perkins and Bill Nalo and I. And I was oh talking God, about like Bill Nalo. Yeah, I was talking about Identifix and IETN and I, I called them all playing field levelers, Opus, stuff like that. 
and Keith and inter- he didn't get defensive, but he just kind of like subtly agreed that he was an enabler and that was not where I was going. <laughs> but yeah, just like the yeah. frustration with uh, some of these tools coming out, allowing a shop that's not invested in any OE equipment, invested in any training, just buy a freaking scan tool and have all the answers. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, have a means to get the yeah. answers. I, but but at the end of the day, you have all the answers. I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. So it just devalues it. I made a I, reference to Jurassic Park with it. I uh, I've been helping the dealer, a Ford dealer, out. They have an O5 Escape Hybrid that just has a plethora of problems. ABS? One of them be No. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. It could have an ABS problem, but the ABS nodule is new. Um, the biggest problem right now is it has a battery interlock code. And the previous tech put in three batteries. And I'm like, I think we've established it's not the hybrid battery. <laughs> so I took the little interlock out of the battery and ohmed it, and I was like, "Huh, it works." And I put it back, and I'm like, "Huh, still has a code. I don't know what to do from here. I'll come back another day." Yeah, <laughs> and I left. I'm like Usually, I don't want to mess with this. There might be another one. I want. I don't know if I want to say like on the air, but I think there might be one up by the inverter. Uh, so like all I Priuses. know. All I know is that there's no starter. Because they use the transmission to start the car, and G1. It, yeah, it's really weird. Like I've never worked on one, so I'm sitting there. It's 101 degrees outside. I'm sitting there scrolling through. It's, information it's a Toyota made. system. Yeah, it's a Synergy drive, right straight from Toyota. Oh, is what well, it is. Maybe I'll read Toyota's information because yeah. Ford sucks. <laughs> yeah, but Toyota never... will have yeah two or three and in, in, interlock switches, and they're just that's all they are switches. So one will be, of course, well, the battery disconnect um, on there, and then another one will be the um, uh, up on the inverter. So if the cover gets lifted off the inverter, that's a, another interlock that'll disable. And there's another one I think I'm forgetting about, but those are the two common ones. And at least with the Toyotas, when they put that um, high voltage switch, you know, the the disconnect switch, they flip the lever down, but they don't. You know, it, it flips There's down extra, to drive it in, and then you gotta kind of yep. lock it, and they never do that. And that's I, I had, I had one shop that they did that like three times in a row, and I, it, there was a language barrier, but I kept showing them. I was like, you can't just flip it down; you gotta, yep. you know, like snap this little thing in too. And they really struggled understanding that portion of it because every time they call me, be like, car doesn't start. I'm like, Wait, okay, I'll come well, back and show you again. Well, you would think that in the trouble code tree, it would tell you to check these interlocks. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It is like a boatload of, like, test this wire from here to here, test this from here to yep. here, test this. And I'm like, it says battery freaking interlock. Where are the interlocks? And, yep. of course, I just went in the trunk, and there's this giant freaking battery that's not from Ford. So I just assumed it, um, it was just not snapped in. And it was weird because it has like a spot where you can put it in and twist it and it like locks in and then you can untwist it and then you can put it in like 90 degrees wrong 
So it's like in travel mode, whatever the flip yeah. that is. <laughs> yeah, when like, they're delivering it to the dealer, I think. Yeah, so it doesn't kill anybody. Yeah, kind of like Subarus would have the... Is it a fuse that would be lifted up? And no, was Dodge. Like, the Dodge tip the, Yeah, the tip... No, the uh, back in the day when you would do a PMI on a Dodge, you had the IOD fuse and you had to move it over because it was three holes and you had to pull it out and move it and stick it down to power up a bunch of stuff. Otherwise, nothing kept any memory. It was really weird. The Tipums came with the two, the SRS fuses and a little yellow holder, and they'd come, yeah, they were in whack. there with their up, and so I get calls saying, oh, we just replaced the Tipum, we got airbag codes, and you just got to push the little thing down. No, no, no. <laughs> no. <clears throat> no, they don't call you and tell you they have airbag codes. They call you and say, hey, we put a Tipum in this, and we need it programmed. <laughs> yep, need it yep. programmed. <laughs> and, and I always just go... Uh, I'll split my normal fee with you if you'll text me over the phone a credit card, and I'll tell you how to fix it. Because <laughs> I really don't want to drive over there. And then I always get the, well, we pushed them down and we still have airbag codes. You didn't hit it hard enough. Because they'll, like, push it and it, like, clicks once, but uh-huh. it's not fully seated. You have to, like, click it. I'm like, basically, your airbag module has no power. What's really fun is if you short out the airbag module and blow them fuses, trying to get the yellow thing out to replace them. I'd never tried that. Yeah. Next time you're feeling froggy and you're answering <laughs> find a tip them and try to get that thing out. Okay. Well, hey, guys. Uh, before we get going with the episode, I... Uh, did not prepare you at all for this and that was kind of the point um i thought we could uh attempt a little trivia game here between the two of you if you're both up for it trivia game this isn't yeah. even fair have you seen fanzlo's iq have to do with cars <laughs> it does happen to do with automotive diagnostic related content and it is oh, multiple gonna, choice i'm gonna lose so. oh like an ase test i got this yeah, yeah. No tech A, C. tech B. All C. the above, so I can eliminate something. Just a uh, just a one out of three, A, B, or C. C. Five I questions each. You guys. Oh, yeah, uh, gotta go with C. You guys up for it? Well, wait. Yeah. It's only A, B, C, D, and C is the most common. So, what <laughs> mathematically letter should I be picking now? <laughs> Who? Who wants to go first? We'll do five questions. I do have a tiebreaker. We'll let the old guy go first because he's got a cool dog barking in the background and I didn't even know if Ansel had a dog. You have three dogs? <laughs> okay. So and you're married now. Like Your life seems like a mystery. Yeah, I have, or we had a dog and then my oldest daughter decided she needed to have a dog. And without really running it by HQ, she goes and buys a dog. And then my wife is, you know, Facebooking or whatever. Facebook, I don't know if it was Marketplace or not. I don't know. But she sees his dog for sale. (laughs) Doesn't mark at all. So now we have three. Wait, so that only explains two. Where did the third... We we had one. We had a, a pier doodle oh, uh, that we bought to replace our uh, Great Pyrenees that got hit by a truck. And then 
we had him for a while, and he's a really good dog. And then my daughter decided she needed to have a dog, so she goes and buys a beer and doodle. So, uh, Bernie's, not Burmese, but like, I don't think it's the St. Bernard, but it's like a Bernese mountain dog and poodle. Okay. And then uh, my wife's like, oh, we should have a little lap dog because these two are not huge, but they're good size, 70 pounds or so. So she a gets another dog. great pure, or a pure doodle that's supposed to be great Pyrenees bred with a miniature uh, poodle. I don't think he's going to be a lap dog. I think he's still going to be 60, 70 pounds. Well, for Sean Miller, that would be a lap dog. That's a big dude right there. <laughs> <laughs> I picked him up one time. He came to Orlando for some conference. I forget, some shop owners conference, right? And he's like, hey, come pick me up. I want to ride with you. And I had my Silverado 1500. And he's standing out in front of the hotel. And I was like, he's got to be 6'4", six, 6'5", six, you know, somewhere in that range, if not taller. 270 300 pounds. I'm like, he ain't going to fit in the truck. <laughs> he ain't going to fit. Because I had a bunch of crap behind the seat, so I had the seat like kind of scooted forward. <laughs> like, there is no way he's fitting. <laughs> he sucked it up all day. He was such a trooper. I feel like it got really quiet, Sean. What did you just do? Uh, I think myself. Yeah, I had, uh, I had a fan going on in here. I forgot to turn it off, so... That actually will probably help the audio quality on my end quite a bit. <laughs> That's better than the 3D printer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't pick that one up until the headphones. Cody. He did All ask right. me. <laughs> I know. He told me he asked you and you're like, no, I don't hear anything. That's mm, fine. Yeah. All right. You guys want to give this a shot? We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Thought this might be fun. It's all automotive related. I have a feeling you'll know most of this, or at least you can take a guess on some of Probably these. I feel like an idiot by the end of this. <laughs> All right, so we'll start with Fonzel. We'll give you the five questions first, so it's best out of five. Then we'll go Skunderich. There's a tiebreaker if you guys have an even score. Uh, number one, uh, what year did Ford first require an LSID or VSP credential for PATS access? I'll give you the I know, multiple I choice. Know, <laughs> I know. I don't even need the multiple choice. I know. <laughs> Is it A, 2015, B, 2018, or C, 2013? That is correct. 2013. That was a guess. I had no idea. Gen- I believe it was technically a half year. It was, it was 2013 and a half. Okay. 2014 model year. Gotcha. Now these uh, answers were researched to the best of my ability off of internet. (laughs) So (laughs) you, you may find some discrepancies. All right. So we got one for Fonzel. We're going to keep going. Uh, what year? It's another year. One, what year did Chrysler introduce the secure gateway module? Was that A, 2016, B, 2018, or C, 2020? This would be on a vehicle that's being uh, sold. I'm going with 
Ah, jeez. I'm going with 18. Correct once again. Nice job. That um, was 2018. Can I just quit while I'm ahead? I mean, until <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling right. The, the questions will increase in difficulty a little bit here. Number three, this is off of Nastef website. What is the current Ferrari factory scan tool interface? Is it interface? Yeah. <laughs> they have an interface? Holy hell. <laughs> or the application, I guess you could say. And I'll give you the, there's acronyms. They're all acronyms here. A is SDX diagnostic tool. B, D-E-I-S diagnostic tool. Or C, F-D-I-S diagnostic tool. I mean, the F-D-I-S just seems like it's too easy. It It just wouldn't be that. So again, guessing. I'm going. I'm, dang it! I'm going with A. I'm sorry, that is not correct. It is D E I S diagnostic tool. Ah, see, I thought maybe I, you were messing with me, and it was a play I, on Volvo or something. I I did put the F D I S in as a distractor, so nice job spotting that. <laughs> just, just seemed too. <laughs> All right. Uh, This one might be right up your alley. Number four. And I will say this is off of the most current data sheet that I could find for a PicoScope 4000 series. Okay. (laughs) Just want to be clear. No pressure. So I'm getting it wrong. Yeah. yeah, No pressure, man. The Pico master is going to miss a Pico question. (laughs) What's the highest sample rate that you can use on a single channel of a 4,000 series Pico? Is it A, one giga sample per second, or that's one billion samples per second? Is it B, 80 mega samples or 80 million samples per second? Or is it C, 400? 400. That's 400 mega samples. I thought the 80 was um, back on the earlier 4,000s. The newer ones are, I think, 400. I thought. What I have is B80. Now, like I said, that may be incorrect. That was the 2020 data sheet that I could pull up on a single channel. It was Maggie's I'm looking it up right because now. I need to know. All right. If you find different, let me know. They don't, I don't, what, what's a sample? <laughs> okay. So what I come up with is maximum sampling rate, one channel, 400 meg, and then two channels, 200 meg, and then a three or four is okay. 100 meg. All right. Well, we'll go with it then. But that yeah, was really, I, that's really good that you came up with that as a distractor. Cause if you wouldn't have said 400, I'd have been SOL. <laughs> All right. So you've got three out of four so far then. All right, final question. What's that? We should just stop. He wins. Three out of four is over 50%. He wins. I'm going to hit 50 right here. Watch. (laughs) You can't hit 50. It's five questions. We got a code. (laughs) 
we got a code definition that I'm looking for here. This is a code I actually had the other day. APP. On a vehicle. <laughs> it is a uh, U0300. I'm looking for the meaning of a U0300. Is oh, it, it must a, have been a Nissan. Can A bus off? Is it B, no message received from the TCM? Or is it C, incompatible software? Why can't it be like CAN bus misfiring? <laughs> Ra- random <laughs> random CAN, can messages. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. I'm suggesting that. Why? That should be the answer. <laughs> um, any one of these, I'm just going to guess. It sucks. I'm, I want to go with B. TCM. No message received from TCM. I'm sorry, that is not correct. It is incompatible software. Uh, I had that on a Ford Explorer the other day. All right. Did you you do the vehicle data learn? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's 160A, (laughs) Cody. (laughs) Did you have IO terminal? (laughs) Did you have IO terminal? No, nobody (laughs) likes IO terminal. Scundrich doesn't like I.O. Terminal. It causes me so many problems. <laughs> All these people, oh, I, I programmed it. Oh, really? You programmed it? Yeah. Oh, how come there's 12 updates? Oh, well, I used this tool and it said it programmed it. No, it copied it. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ready, Scundrich? <clears throat> no. All right. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> So, number one, uh, what year were General Motors Global A vehicles first sold in North America? Was it 2008, BA? Is it B, 2010, or C, 2012? 2010. That is correct. 2010. I want to say it was the Camaro Cross... And the there was one Cadillac model too. That sounds right. I looked at the PDF, but I don't remember what it was. There was only like three cars in 2010. It was weird. There was one in 2009, but it was some it's, other it's country. A Canadian, it's a Mexico car. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That's like in like 2012, it lists the S10. And I'm like, who sells an S10? And then if you look down, it says this car is sold and produced in Mexico. <laughs> All right, number two, what year did Chrysler change? Uh, We're talking about the uh, security pin code. What year did Chrysler change from their traditional fixed four-digit code to a rolling rolling code? code. Was it A, 2012, B, 2015, or C, 2018? Uh, It's either 12 or 15. I'm going to go with 15. That is correct. I think it's when Fiat took over. It is when Uh, Fiat took over because that's a Fiat-based system, but I couldn't remember when Fiat bought them. I feel like it was before 12 or after 12, but 15 seems late, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that's their merger finally, I don't know, finalized around that year or something like that. The first one was the Chrysler 200. Okay. 
So you can't get, yeah, and you can't get those from the dealer anymore. Well, you can't anyways, but okay. Uh, you are two for two. Let's go to number three. What is Subaru's current diagnostic software interface or application? SSM4. All right, that is he correct. He gets the <laughs> God, I only yeah. work on like one Subaru a year. <laughs> so I was trying to find something like Austin Martin or Bentley or something like that, and they don't have anything listed on the NASDAQ website. So I went with uh, why not like Freightliner or Peterbilt? I should have done uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for him to be like, "Oh, what's Lamborghini's factory tool before Otis took over?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you know? <laughs> no, I don't know what it was. It's, it's something weird. Okay. So uh, we are tied at three apiece, and Scundridge has two questions to go. So one more, and you win this. Uh, number four is going to be the same question I gave Matt about the Pico, but it's going to be the U scope. So what's the fastest sampling rate that the u-scope can use and obviously it's only a single channel and maybe you want to fact check me on this one too but i have a 10 million samples per second b 20 million samples per second or c 1 million samples per second a I'm sorry, that's I not correct. It, I use it to death, but I have no idea. <laughs> I just know it works. I don't really care about the technicalities. So I have it, according to their data sheet, 1 million samples per second, and it says 12 per bits. And I actually wasn't sure what that meant, but... That's the 12 bits is the resolution, but the 1 mega samples is the highest sample rate. So I, it's fastest time base. It's 1 mega sample. Okay. Okay, so you can win it with this last one. This is also a code definition. It is U1000, and this is a code I had on a vehicle the other day as well. U1000. Is it A, class two communication failure? Is it B, can network failure? Or is it C, no communication with the EBCM? B. Can network failure? Sure. I'm sorry, that is not correct. It is Shocking. a class two communication failure. It was on a 04 Saturn. I feel like <laughs> I feel like this is a draw in chess, and I was playing black, so this is good. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have a tiebreaker. So, can you guys? This is how we're going to do this. Can you guys both access the chat for this? Um, I did. I, I put what's up, people, and nobody oh, responded. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read the question to you, and the first person to send me the correct answer in chat <laughs> is Matthew Scundridge. He's going to be the winner. This one is not multiple choice. You actually have to type out the correct oh, answer. Oh, like an essay? Uh, <laughs> a little shorter than that. Oh. All right, so what Bamble I'm looking for... Excited. I thought I just won. <laughs> <laughs> what 
what I'm looking for is the firing order, the ignition firing order of a General Motors 350 V8. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> I could type past it up. I want the firing order. I'm like, what are you for? Three, six, five, seven, two. Yep. And Fonzo is our winner. Congratulations. That's one eight four three six five seven. Oh, yeah, he had his hour head start. Look at that. On Central Time, he's on Eastern Time. <laughs> Shit right there. All right. Well, congratulations on the first ever uh, trivia win, Fonzo. You get the trophy. Now you got to defend it next week against... Uh, yeah, I'll lose it right away. <laughs> <laughs> you know who wouldn't be fun to play that game with? Scott Schott. That's all I'm saying. I can think of a lot of people that it would not be fun to play against. <laughs> well, because he worked on old cars, and Sean's over here going, Hey, I worked on this 94 GM the other day, and I'm going... They lived up there in the rust that long? Come on. People people hide them in their garages. You're, you buy them from, you know, some old person and it's never seen a winter. It's got 100,000 miles on it. I almost bought a 99 Buick the other day for 500 bucks. So it just, it just needed an engine. And I would have bought it, but the guy couldn't find the title. So I drove down there, nothing. But it was super, super clean. There's like no rust on it. 3,800 perfectly clean inside by the six mercury mariner 220,000 <laughs> miles the only rust is on the hood from a rock hitting it and shipping the paint away <laughs> yeah i don't even i don't even understand how you work on cars up north like blue wrench <clears throat> lots of acetylene Lots I, I've never used an acetylene torch once in my entire life. Yeah, I think I've told this story before, but when I was in Kansas, uh, southwest Kansas, uh, working uh, a local shop there, just so happened to be working on a Lincoln from the Rust Belt. I'm not sure it was actually Minnesota, could have been Wisconsin, but they're trying to get the fuel tank down and the straps uh, are all rusty and the fuel filter is all rusty and they're like, what do you guys do? I'm like, oh, you got a acetylene torch? So wandering around, they wander wander around their own shop for about 10 minutes and come out with this little, like, smaller than a suitcase size torch. <laughs> so I light that thing up and I start heating up the uh, straps. And also, uh, I would have just cut them, but they weren't, there weren't any available, so heating up tank straps and i'm kid you not that shop cleared out they are running for the hills when there's no hills in kansas so they're running outside and uh i just thought that was hilarious my first shop that i worked at it was a full service gas station and we were maybe i don't know 20 feet between the bay door and the gas pump and so they wouldn't let us have uh actual acetylene torch so for the first four years of my career we had a maps gas thing and that was it that was that was all we did so uh, better with a I avoided suspension lighter. work <laughs> right <laughs> i finally went to a shop with a acetylene torch and i was just like what? burning up what? everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah just melting holes and things <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it can't be tight if it's liquid. <laughs> I uh, we had a car come down here from up north, and it needed some brake lines. And boss was at Tire Kingdom. The boss looked at me and goes, "Hey, you're like ASC Master Certified in brakes. That means you can do brake lines." And I'm like, "What?" Brake lines. I missed that part on the test. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what What does that have to do with anything? And he's like, oh, we got this car. It blew out a couple brake lines. They're down here from, like, you know, Minnesota or some stupid state where they have salt on the road. So I'm like, okay. He's like, you got to fix it. And I'm like, dealers down the street, have a good time with that. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, we have no, you won't allow us to have a torch here. I'm like, I'm not even sure I could get some of these bolts out. Like, it might need calibers, lines. Oh, man, it's going to be a great ticket. No, it's not. No, it's not. Send that crap down the road. Man, I ain't messing with it. Stick with my rust-free stuff over here. Like, I don't even... Like, for the longest time, I didn't have a brake flare tool. We don't do brake lines. Why do you need a brake flare tool? So, what you're saying is you can use scotch locks on boat trailers without any issue where you live? Yes. There's no pixie <laughs> dust that comes out of the scotch lock. <clears throat> now the problem is, is we can't really use them on the boat trailers because up here we actually use the boat trailer. It's ten thousand lakes up here, man. Uh, yeah, ten thousand lakes, and they're all frozen. <laughs> and obviously, you guys aren't. Yeah, and but obviously, nobody plays hockey up there because Florida just won the NHL championship for the second year in a row. So hey, you know, whatever. They're, they're all they lured all the Minnesotans down there with the <laughs> warm weather and lack of rust. And Canadians. Hey, come down here and play hockey on fake ice. <laughs> fake ice. It'll be glorious. <laughs> it's like glass. <laughs> I I actually tried doing that one time. I skated on that like weird plastic stuff that's supposed to be like ice. It's absolutely nothing like ice. You cannot stop or corner the same. It's like trying to rollerblade and it, play hockey. I call it fake ice because if for any reason if you lose power for any amount of time, you no longer have ice. You have a very shallow swimming pool. <laughs> well, there's there's such a difference in the ice up here, even just between summer and winter. And it's you don't need your skates sharp at all in the summertime up here. You could go an entire year, have extremely dull skates in the summer, and you'll still just cut right into the ice. Wintertime, they just let the cold air into these rinks, and it is hard as glass, so you better have some sharp skates or you're not stopping at all. You're not cutting at all. So it's it's quite the difference. I got to imagine down there you get thousands of fans in an arena. It's completely different. I figured you'd hook your toe pick. <laughs> I gave that up a while ago. It's a figure skating. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I think there's the, uh, there's a movie yeah. way back. It's in color though. It's not that old. It's still in color. I think it's called The sure Cutting Edge about a hockey player who becomes a figure sta- skater and struggles with the toe pick and the uh <laughs> his partner reminds him of it regularly. See, it came out in 1992. I was 5. I seen it. It's kind of a chick flick, but so movie. my neighbor, my neighbor down the street, because I live in the neighborhood I grew up in, so he's still my neighbor down the street. His uh, his kid played hockey, and he was three years older than I was, and 
So one day he goes, hey, man, you're a pretty good runner, and we used to play street hockey all the time, you know, with the ball. He goes, hey, you're pretty good with the, the stick. You want to come play with my son's? play with my son on the hockey team they could use another player and i'm like i can't afford equipment because you know hockey equipment down here is like stupid money and yeah, this is like, up oh, here too my son's got all he's like my son's got all this old equipment because you know he's three years older than i am he goes you can just use his old stuff i'm like oh okay i learned i was really good at ice skating you know the mighty ducks the kid who can fly across the ice and just slams into the wall that was me <laughs> When I saw that movie, I'm like, yes, there's somebody else who can't stop. To this day, I still can't stop on ice skates. <laughs> I, I just run into the wall, just boom, plow into it, move on. But I enjoyed playing. <laughs> but you put for three put somebody years. between you and the wall, and it's called checking, yeah. and then yeah, exactly. you're a, you're a stud. <laughs> Come on. The problem was, is I was faster than most of the older kids on the team, so they'd like be like, go, 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 and then they pass me the puck. It was just me, the goalie, and the wall. And it was like, well, you can't hit the goalie. That's somehow, like, against the rules, I found out. So I would just slam into the wall. Yeah. I broke a couple sticks, and there was a couple times where I wasn't sure if the stick broke or if it was, like, my arm or something. So I was always excited when I'd get up off the wall and see, like, my stick from two pieces. Yes, it was just a stick. Okay, I can keep playing. That's the good kind of snap that you want to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Those were good times. I was back when I had good medical insurance and I was on my parents and you you bounce back from stuff in your 20s. Oh, yeah. You hit the wall. You're like, oh, look, there's stars. Oh, stars are gone. Keep playing. (laughs) Yep. Now it's a it's a week. Now I think about hitting the wall. Yeah, now I think about hitting the wall, and I'm like, oh, my back hurts. I think I threw my hip out. (laughs) So, speaking of being injured, my father-in-law came down because my daughter's sixth birthday is next week, but we have, like, family event, or we have the Aloha Tool Show at the end of the month, and we thought it, my wife thought it was this weekend, so we moved the birthday party the weekend before, Anyway, my father-in-law comes down, and he's like, hey, I'll just ride with you for a couple days in your van. I'm like, all right, whatever. So today I did like three ADOS calibrations in one shop, and one of them was a uh, uh, Volkswagen. And, you know, with the Altel, you got to put like 27 pieces of paper all around for the BSM. So I'm crawling around, and he's like, I think you've crawled a quarter mile on your hands and knees. He's like, when you hit my age, you're really going to regret your decision for a career in life. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So, I'm looking forward to getting old now. I think it beats the alternative. I don't know. What's the... Yeah, no, it doesn't. I could be <laughs> a service writer making the same money. I, I meant getting older. The, the alternative to not getting older oh. isn't, so... I don't know. That's so <laughs> I don't know. Being dead's not so bad. You ain't got to pay taxes. You don't have to worry about health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you talked me into it. Where's that Kool-Aid? Uh, well, uh, I think I think this was your idea, Skundrich, to do this one, or was it yours, Fonzo, to I don't talk know. about I've our... I've thrown out a lot of ideas. Yeah, well, and I appreciate all the ideas, as both of you guys shoot them to me so i don't have to think but i think um, i threw this one out there and then i named fanslow in it just and he's like oh my god you're so ridiculous <laughs> and, and then i laughed really hard in the text that's box. like a canned response 
Well, whenever you message me, it is just automatically. <laughs> it just pops up. Yeah. Tell us how you look up to Fonslow, then we can start there. It's, I'm more north. Um, it's not looking up. It's it's, it's, it's more it's a geographical. Ge- geographical. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's like probably above sea level, so it's definitely an up. Liverpool above sea level. That's all you are, really? 500 feet? Yep. Wow. That's kind of depressing. I think Florida's highest point above sea level is only like two or 300 feet. That's it. So Florida's a goner when the polar ice caps melt because I don't like the Green New Deal. All right. So I think the topic I said was, oh, we should talk about the people we look up to in the automotive industry. And then I, I said, oh, Long yeah, episode. Like, well, you've been around longer than I have, so you'll have more people this time. Um, but you always do like the top 50 anyway. I mean, we had the top 50 tools, every tech I own. <laughs> we had, I don't even remember. Um, but I said Fanslow, and, and one of the big things with Fanslow for me is the way he types things up and says things. It's always fun <laughs> when he writes the post. Well, let's see, you, you take like, advantage of Windows 10 and how you can split screen and then where you're typing and then you have like the source.com and then you just yeah but my problem is is i'm typing because or therefore and you're like oh in an acquaintance with this space-time continuum <laughs> theory from the second law of thermodynamics we have here the unequivocal occasion <laughs> like where does he pull these words out of there's been one word that's under like up. four syllables in this sentence. I'm like, it's like talking then, to customers. You just try to talk all kinds of gibberish and then they're like, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Go with it. That's, yeah. what, that's but a the big best, word. Yeah. But, the, but the best part about it is, is you get done reading this sentence that has words that I had to Google how to pronounce in my head because hooked on phonics didn't work for me. Um, probably because I was public schooled. So I'm listening to them being pronounced so I can read the sentence. And and I'm like, oh, yeah, that actually makes sense. I'm glad Fanslow posted that. And I'm like, how did that make any sense? I didn't even know what that word meant three seconds ago. So <laughs> I, I just enjoy it. That's what it's all and about. And then Fanslow says he's a terrible teacher, but he's his, terrific. Uh, hey, come, come, come look at my pre-basic scope class that has handouts at Vision is always sold out. Now maybe because it's, it's cause, on Sunday, yeah, it's because I team with Harvey Chan and Scott Schott and, and Scott Mana. And all I gotta do is show up, roll out the red carpet for them, open doors, yeah. carry their luggage. But I walked by the class and I'm like, there's not a seat in here. He can't be that bad. It's because we got rid of most of them. When I showed up, there's <laughs> a few hundred of them. Just card out oh, of, half of them. you know, half of them or more. Or ask for a much smaller room, and it looks fuller. Looks. I'm gonna have to do that next time I teach. Hey, this room's got 50 chairs. Can I get one with like 20? So, so at Vision, <laughs> next to the really, really big ones, across from the bathroom, there's like a boardroom, and I'm trying very hard to get classes in there. It only holds <laughs> like 10 people. 12 people. If you got 12 people, it'd be standing room only. Yeah. The last time I taught was at pub, like publicly, you know, besides like Dutch flying me out, um, was uh, 
at Just Cars, and I was teaching programming, and it was two classes a day, three days in a row, so it's eight hours. By the last day, I am basically, like, yelling, but I didn't realize I was yelling, and, um, oh, I just forgot his name. I feel bad, because he's a good trainer, too. Um, he's got the long hair. Ziggler. Oh, Eric Ziggler is taking a class across the hall. Okay, so so it's a 12-foot-wide hallway. There's not a door directly across me. It's like 10 foot over, okay? And he's across the hall, and I hear this ding from my phone, but I'm teaching. I'm not paying attention. Five minutes later, some kid opens the door. Hey, man, we can hear you in the front row of the classroom, caddy corner and across the hall. You think you can keep it down a little bit? And I was like, oh, I'm that loud. Jeez, I feel kind of bad. And one of the guys in the back of the class looked at him. He's like, shut up, man. I've been here for three days. I'm still hungover. This is the only class I've heard <laughs> since I got here. <laughs> and it was like, I'm guessing like Wally Meridian must get those messages all the time. Yeah, he's no. I mean. There was Eric told me after the class, he's like, dude, I could not concentrate because all I could hear was you going, yeah, and GM, if you hear the doop doop bing noise, you're just <laughs> screwed. Programming's done. He's <laughs> like, and I'm over there trying not to laugh because he goes, you said it with such enthusiasm, like, oh, just move on. But yeah, he told me. Maybe that's what we should do. We got to do like those looper style things where it's like the top 10 loudest instructors. <laughs> Good thing I don't teach for anybody anymore. Scundrich just made the list. I made the list. I am very loud. I didn't realize I was that loud, but yeah, I enjoy teaching. <laughs> so yeah, I look up to Fanslow because he, he does a lot of things pretty well. I have you agree. listened to your I haven't figured out what it is, farm? but have I listened to what? Your your podcast from Parm, Carm. <clears throat> Any what? of them? Do you listen Not to yourself? Not without cringing, you? yeah. That note-taking one was just fantastic. I think I probably sent it sent it to every shop in the area and was like, here, this is Fanslow. He should be your new idol. Please listen <laughs> and follow these instructions. Next to movie, he should be. <laughs> the, the new I'm, girl I'm sure I stole it from single. somewhere. There's probably an MIT course somewhere I ripped it off. What do you? Would you go to MIT? And we don't know that either. No, no, the the free, <laughs> the free stuff. Yeah, but I, I went there to try to get a job sweeping floors. I ended up in an auto repair shop. So, <laughs> yeah, we were playing with this torch thingy to get bolts <laughs> loose. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, who do you got, Fonslow? Why? It's it's the gimme. It's it's easy. Almost hate to say it because it's it's probably so obvious. But like I really do look up to uh, Thornton, and not just because of, um, you know, like as an instructor, as a, a friend, or a, a, as with his content. But what really strikes me is, um, how rigorous his um, approach to building a class, building a case study. He has a plan. 
at all times. He studies up. It's it's a rarity, you know, other than just you know uh, an issue he's seen many, many, many times. It's rare that he will go into a problem car without a plan, without some study before the fact, showing up, knowing what he wants to get, how he's going to get it, be it scan tool captures, which scan tool he's going to use, scope captures, what signals he wants, how he wants them to look. Um, Just, it's so rigorous and he's so passionate about it and he's stayed that way, you know, long before I knew him and through now. So, you know, however many decades that ends up being, I that is just so impressive to me that that there's been no drop in that drive. You know, he could have so long ago kicked her into overdrive and just coasted. He's got enough material to coast into retirement and beyond, and he doesn't. He keeps at it. Um, you know, he's dialed it back a little bit, just um, actual time, you know, working. Mm-hmm. But he's kept certain accounts because they provide him the type of issues he wants to work on and find and develop uh, classes for. And then just the the uh, plan of attack on his training style, that, that real circular type of training where I'm going to take you a little bit on this journey, but it comes back around. And I just can't say enough about it. It it just blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind because I mean, I lose motivation on stuff. I really don't want to do this test. Uh, all right. What is the probability? It's not this seems very low. Okay. Roll the dice. Yeah. I've always really enjoyed how it'll explain a system or component or whatever it is along with, you know, an interesting case study, you know, it's a story. Okay. You know, I went through, I did this, this, and this, but it's also, here's how this works. Here's the details behind it. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed his classes quite a bit. I thought it was interesting meeting him the one time I met him and we ended up talking about multi-air engines cause I hadn't worked on many <laughs> of them. <clears throat> and I realized this guy had like, this plethora of knowledge on this multi-air engine. And I'm like, how do you know so much about this? Cause they were still fairly new. And he's like, Oh, I rented one from a yeah. car rental place and brought it to my shop, paid for 30 days worth of rental, took that sucker apart and then had to buy all the special tools to put it back together. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. You what? And he's like, yeah, I wrote a class on it and you should take it sometime. It's pretty good. And I'm like, Wow, yeah, I'm not that ballsy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would have rented the car, put it back together, and been calling fans a little, hey, you want to fly down? I took this car apart. I have no idea how to put it back together. <laughs> fans would be like, me yeah. either, but I'll come on down. <laughs> yeah, that him and Scott Mana do stuff like that. You know, Something new comes out or uh, a topic they want to tackle, they'll go rent and or buy the vehicle or the parts. You know, So like that multi-air class, I'm pretty sure Scott went out and uh, combed wrecking yard uh, to find a head off of a car that was crushed and bought it, took it apart, tried to put it back together. Like you said, up needing special tools, uh, taking it over to a machine shop friend to have stuff cut open so they could try to look in there. Uh, just 
you know, all kinds of that stuff. Uh, high pressure fuel pumps on GDI stuff. Take a buddy to cut it open to try to see how this works. And, you know, having that type of drive to do that. It's just really impressive. And, the, you know, it's not like they have corporate backing. It's not like a big corporation of uh, training is funding any of that. It's out of their own pockets. And partly, yeah. I mean, granted, it is it is to make a class. It is to present a class. A lot of it's for their own, I got to know. I want to know. And whether they're making a class or not, they would be doing it. He's my number two. Scott Mannon is number two. A, uh, kind of that same passion as Thornton and B, the most modest person I've ever met in my life. That's where you get it from. I try. I just, <laughs> he's so much better at it than me. I always laugh when I call and ask you a Pico question. You're like, oh, I'm not very good at it. I'm like, well, who freaking is? Because I need to think space bar. <laughs> space bar, I think, stops and starts to scope. It's about where my <laughs> understandings peaks. All right. Uh, I'll go. Uh, I think mine, the first one I got is pretty obvious, too. I, I, I have a feeling a lot of people share this one with me, and it's it's Paul Danner. Um, now number one, probably one of the most generous people that I've ever met in this industry, um, for a number of reasons. I mean, not only what he does, you know, to share information, but outside of that, how he helps people, um, super, super awesome guy. But for me, when I was just starting out teaching, um, I had no clue what I was doing. I still really don't, but you know, I watched his videos not only for the automotive content, which is good, but also how to teach this stuff, like how to get up in front of a classroom and present it and explain it in a, you know, a way that, you know, young kids will understand, right? And just seeing someone else do that, everybody's got to have their own style. But watching Paul do that was so, so helpful for me um, as I was just starting out. Uh, so he's a... Uh, He's a big one for me that I, I look up to quite a bit. Plus, he plays hockey too, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, just. I'm. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I've gotten to know Paul Danner pretty well because he calls me anytime he's got a program something. Um, <laughs> so we have like a unique friendship. He came down, and I drove over to Tampa area to go have lunch with him. He's just as genuine in person as he is on Facebook. So there's not, it was interesting because you meet people and sometimes their Facebook personality or their YouTube personality doesn't match them. No, he's just as nice in person. Um, and, and you're right. His generosity to give stuff away is just unbelievable. Um, he's, he gets like a stipend or something from AES wave and now has like a little, scholarship thing to help young techs get tools cheap and you know he'll give away a scanner dinner book and a subscription to somebody in another country just to help them out so they can learn i mean it's just the stuff he's done to help the industry is as much as i sometimes dislike youtube um he's really kind of presented a different light in that aspect the other thing i like about him he's very upfront about being a christian which is kind of fun he has no no remorse. And I, I got to admit, like, if you believe it, believe it and wear it outside. I mean, 
it's it's one of those things I kind of look up to him for because there's times when I I don't do it the way he does, and I'm like, wow, I wish I could do it that way. That's way better than me. So yeah, I props to Danner for just sticking with what he does, even if he does explain a relay every single time he takes <laughs> one out. <laughs> Here's pin 85. This is pin 86. <laughs> every time, man, without fail, every time. That's that's that teacher mentality, though, because, yeah, you got to explain it. Those those, you know, basic, basic details. You do it so many years in a row to so many beginners. And it's just second nature. <laughs> You're just like, OK, yep, got to point this out again. <laughs> yeah, he's just. I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> don't even know what I would add to what you guys already said, to be honest. Um, I met him in Chicago at the first, yeah, first CAN conference. And, uh, yeah, Harvey and I had, <laughs> it sound like, we sound like such pompous a-holes, but had no idea who he was. No, no idea what, he was there signing his book. <laughs> So we're just kind of giving it to him about it, and then we kind of feel bad. So we take him over in a kind of a lounge area and buy him drinks, and we're just shooting the breeze. And it's just such a good guy. So uh, you know, just and and yeah, being able to count him as a friend and confidant and stuff like that. It's just it's it's it's, it's really good. I mean it. You know, we're going to be able to rattle off a lot of really, really good people that that we know through this profession. It's just, there's quite a few of them in the chat right now or uh, Facebook. I know. I'm commenting that. I mean, there's a lot you. of people in there, except that Canadian Sean Hill. It, <laughs> him and Sean Patrick mess me up all the time because I'm like, one of them is Canadian, the other one's not. Just real close. <laughs> Wait, Sean, did you, Sean Hill should submit classes to vision. If not, Hey, I'll make room for you in tech talks. You can be our featured presenter. I have a class I've worked on for like four months and I need to get it to you to let you look over it. I would, so remind me when this is done to send you my class. You're talking about Sean, right? No, you. You can look over it. <laughs> Me. <laughs> you can laugh at all my small grammatical errors and small. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> You're dumb people. <laughs> you spell check. I subscribe to Grammarly. I will find all these issues. <laughs> Grammarly. <laughs> <laughs> so, keeping with trainers and people, um, one of the guys I look up to after meeting him. Actually, Bryn put on a class here, and he was here, is Jim Morton. Um, he was probably the first class I took of somebody that was a famous trainer, I, right? Like, I didn't hear about Vision till later in life. I mean, I'd been a tech for 10 years before I ever found out about Vision and John Thornton and all these people. And Bryn brought... Jim Morton and Brandon Steckler down. I'm not sure I'm setting his name right, but um, they came down and Jim did like the secondary ignition class, which 
I'd sat through hundreds of them going to UTI. You took a whole secondary thing. We had the old Sunscope. But his passion and drive in that class was something I'd never seen. And it was just so cool to watch. And then after class, I had a couple questions, and I was asking him questions. And he's like, oh, well, let's let's talk about it. Let's think about why. And his logic of it funnels, you know, here's a funnel. So if you have this problem and you think it's, you know, if you have a misfire, it has to be one of these four funnels. Well, work down that funnel. If you don't fall out, then go to the next funnel. And it was just some of that stuff sounds really basic, but I'd never heard it before. And I'm sure not all the stuff was purely him, right? He probably had a little bit pulled from here and there, but it was just one of those things. Where I was like, wow, that was really cool, man. Thanks for your time. And he friended me on Facebook and I've asked him things. And, and it's just another one of them trainers that he wasn't standoffish and thought he was better than anybody. He's like, oh, I'm probably the smartest person in this room, I bet. And so we've become friends, and he's had health problems and other things. So I just look forward to like going to an event, hanging out with him, because he's always got some kind of crazy story about some car. And I guess I look at him like an older John Thornton. He has that same passion you described, and it seems to have never have gone away. And I think he would be doing a lot more for the industry if he didn't have some health issues. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, wow, I hope when I'm – that old if i'm still alive i'm still that excited about it because i'm with you there's days where i'm just like i'm not fixing any cars today i'm gonna pull a jeff compton and just go fishing get this <laughs> and i suck at fishing so we're just going fishing and screw cars i'm gonna print I'm that away. target off the internet and use it on a stepladder <laughs> just kidding hey <laughs> somebody accused me of doing that once it was really a- did you punch him in the face? There was a Riverside Automotive of all places on IdentFix <laughs> that posted how they used the, <laughs> the stepladder, and they thought it was me. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so, the, you know, really, really good friend of mine, Patrick Masters, links me to the article, and I'm like, yeah, I'm in, like, in a panic, like, you know, somebody hacked our account or... <laughs> and it ends up it it is a riverside automotive just not from minnesota and different login credentials but it was hilarious because they're like oh mr oe is doing this it's like well, i'm gonna try it see if it works OE? <laughs> i don't know I, I i mean you own the Altel system you lost that title when you bought it i stole it yeah I mean, I honestly just try to use what works, and um, I I mean, I get ribbing from it, but most of them are just, um, you're, the liability you're taking on, whether it's real or imagined, and that's not a dig, it's just, the, if it's real or imagined, that liability I'm not willing to take on myself, and that's kind of the end of it. I also acknowledge like if stuff's not the way I it should. I'm always questioning like how great is this the you know the aftermarket tool failing me now? Uh, but knock on what it's knock on what it's worked for me. Yeah, I I I don't know. I use whatever works. I don't care. I just push buttons, make things happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. So I told Cody today, Cody, you didn't push enough freaking buttons. Squint. 
How bad could it be? I like, right. I like when there's a button that's like, hey, after you do this, do this. And you're like, ooh, I've done that before, and it didn't go well. Do I really have to do that? <laughs> and then, like, you got a bunch of codes because you have to update the other module, and you're like, yeah, but the last one bricked. <laughs> so you're like, okay, I'll push it. Walk away, walk away. <laughs> Go play COD on your phone, come back 30 minutes later. It didn't break. You're all excited. <laughs> it's like Nissan. I don't know if you guys remember programming Nissans early on. Um, in Consult, it would go like 0, 10, 85 percentage. And it would stay there for 20 minutes. And after three minutes, you're standing there going, it's fucking gone. It's gone. It's never coming back. I knew I shouldn't have done it. Right? You're calling all your friends. Hey, man, you swear you do Nissan programming. Why is it just stuck in it? Oh, just let it go, man. Let it go. You're like, let it go. How long? You're like panicking, screaming at your friend. And then it's like, done. Oh, thanks, man. Call you later. (laughs) No, the scan tool's frozen. I'm not talking about the movie. What do you... Tell me but it was it if, it, if you did one back then, it was nerve wracking. It seems to be fixed in the later one, the later software versions. It like actually is like 10, 20, 30, 40. And I'm like, oh, that's no fun. Well, that's that's the version that I was still using until I tried to update it today. <laughs> and now I have nothing. So <laughs> we'll get it fixed. We'll get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy that version because it was fun that way. <laughs> I think any of those you do for the first time. I mean, any vehicle or just programming in general, you're just so nervous. Like, I don't want to move my laptop. I don't want to, I got to make sure my mouse moves every three minutes and all this. And, uh, and then you do it enough times and yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'll go check out this website or do whatever else. It's no big deal. Yeah. I, uh, I now program everything wireless, sit in my truck, AC running, don't even care. I'm like, eh, whatever. All right, well, Fanzo, you're who's not? I think I'm up to two, and you, you're up to two. Is Sean up to two, or do you no, run out of Sean. people you look up to? I'm I'm not name, up to two yet. You can't name uh, yourself, Sean. You can't name yourself. Dang it! Oh, no, he's down to four. <laughs> I I do I do have another person here, um, and uh, none of you know who he is, or I'd be really surprised if anyone knew who he is. Uh, he's from up here. I worked with him at Firestone for pretty much the entire seven years that I worked there between a couple stores. And, uh, his name's Steve. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter. I'll have to shoot him a text and let him know to listen to this. Cause I don't think he does. Um, he's retired now. So he worked for Firestone as a tech, like, busting his ass every day doing brakes and tires and oil changes and everything um, for 41 years. Okay. For, for the same company doing the same thing for 41 years. And I mean, that alone, I always thought was impressive that somebody stays with the same company and doing the same profession for 41 years. I, I was blown away by that. But not only that, this guy was one of the most kindest friendly, helpful people you could imagine. And this was at the end of his career. Cause I worked with him like as he retired and he was still like that to the day that he ended up leaving. And 
I was I was almost just confused as to how do you maintain that just he was just a, a joyful person, right? He was just happy to be there every day. I mean, yeah, he had bad days, just like we all do when you get frustrated, but he never treated anyone bad around him. He was always willing to help, uh, do whatever he can to make the the rest of the techs around him, you know, their day easier. And after all that time, and I mean, the guy's in his sixties, his hands, you know, look like this with arthritis. He can't be having the easiest time doing this, but he was just still such a nice person at his job until the end. And I don't, I don't, you don't see that every day, right? People get jaded, they get grouchy, they get mean, they hate their job. They hate everybody they work with, especially in the auto industry. Um, and I was just always so impressed that he maintained that for his entire career. And, uh, he was, he was an inspiration to me. I'm like, I don't want to work for Firestone until for 40 years, but I want to be helpful and friendly and, uh, you know, just do the best I can for everybody around me until I'm done doing this. Uh, so Steve, if you're listening, hopefully, uh, check this one out. Uh, I got, I got a lot of respect for that guy. I think we've all at some point had that guy that we worked with that kind of probably set our career somewhat in a different direction. That's the right term. So for like you, it was Steve. I'm sure Fanslow has somebody. Maybe not. I, I don't think it was so much. I would say that it was the first independent shop job I had. So I started out at a Ford dealership, new car prep while I was going to my two year trade school. And then before I was done there, uh, I went to CarQuest parts delivery for a little bit, then to Tires Plus for a very short time. This definitely not in my wheelhouse. And the shop that hired me from Tires Plus specifically because they knew I liked, you know, Diag. Uh, that just letting me work things out and I think they paid for it the first, you know, probably for sure. First year just struggling, right? Just, you, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know did squat, you know? So I, I would, it's not so much looking up to them and uh, they set out a path for me or help me realize that path, but they gave me a chance to accomplish that goal of just uh, being able to uh, focus on that, you know, and some of it was, you know, when I worked there, yeah, I was kind of the main guy that was going to do that, but I wasn't always. And there was a very, very specific day that that all changed where I was doing an evaporator on a, oh man, it'd be like an old 98 and so you did these from in the engine compartment. And um, I think this is the one where I didn't have to cut the uh, rubber slash insulation. Uh, it was Somebody metal. else already did or what? I think it was just they didn't have it on this one. Okay. It, it was old enough that it didn't. It wasn't like the W. I think that was the W bodies had that rubber uh, insulation with the insulation backing or kind of that rubberized stuff. This was, I think, a little bit older than that. So this would have been like, what a, yeah, yeah, C&H body. Somebody might crucify me on that one. 
Um, <laughs> so I was doing that, but uh, the other two techs were working on a Ford Tempo that uh, the alternator was not charging, and the uh, another one was working on a Regal. Um, so that would have been like a G-body, um, probably late 80s. Uh, brake lights didn't work. So the Regal got new brake light bulbs and a brake light switch, didn't fix it. And the Tempo got three new alternators, and that didn't fix it. And I was starting to go together with the evaporator, and the boss is like, you know what? Everybody switch. So those two, you you know, Matt, tell them where you're at. They put the evaporator in, and I would go diagnose the uh, Tempo and the Regal. And I think like 20 minutes later, I fixed a, I don't want to say a broken wire, but a pixie stick wire on the driver's, I think it was the driver, no, passenger side. Yeah, I'm pretty sure passenger side um, strut tower is a yellow wire uh, that must have somehow gotten, you know, insulation was cracked or whatever was corroded, cut that out, repaired it, fixed the charging system, and the Regal needed a turn signal switch because they ran the brake lights up through the turn signal switch, and that had one of them really sucky ones where you had the the pullers and crap to uh, take it out, and the harness ran down the steering column, and it was always just such a pain in the ass to do it. Um, and that was really, that was probably the last day I did much R&R work. I think it was really, really rare is go figure it out. Go figure it out. Whether it was drivability or electrical, it could have been, you know, brake squeals. Just go figure out what's wrong and then somebody else will fix it. So for people we look up to, should they still be alive? Well... No, you can look Preferably. up dead people. Right. No, I, I, the ground. Well, it, it's it's just an honest question because uh, to, to me, like the next obvious uh, mention, it's got to be Harvey Chan. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like when we're talking about somebody that affects your career, I don't know anybody that's affected my career more. I mean, it's probably a toss up between him and John, uh, but I was a lot closer to Harvey especially later on. So, you know, John and I were starting to become really good friends probably in the early 2000s, late, late 90s. Yeah, late, late 90s. And Harvey and I met online um, on IATN chat. And, you know, would banter and bust my balls pretty hard. And then we finally met at Vision. And that just kind of, you know, started a friendship that grew all the way to really hanging out, finding ways to hang out, going to training conferences just to hang out, teaching classes together. Um, and just, I, I don't know if I can qualify just how smart he really was. You know what I mean? Like he was just, is. It's hard to explain just how freaking smart that guy was. Yeah, I never had a chance to meet him. Yeah, and that's kind of probably one of the bigger problems with talking about him is if you never met him, you probably don't know. And if and maybe the good thing, the great thing about him was as smart as he was, he was hilarious. 
And that's probably what you remember more about him is just how funny he was and quick-witted. But if you got into like a discussion about theory or or he helped you walk through a problem, then it became very evident that, you know, if you had to, like me, if you had a goal of trying to get to that level, <laughs> it probably wasn't going to happen. Uh, just, ne- just next level. And his experience as being a tech was much different than mine. Like he came up through the ranks as the flat rate tech working in at Canadian tire. So being uh, that type of a shop and learning all these tricks, flat rate tricks. Um, but then also um, being wicked smart, trying to look into theory and operation, finding IATN, finding people on that level. So like the Randy Burnclaws and the Jim Kempers and the Matt Ragsdales and Tim Lena's. And I, I, I would I kind of hate now that I've rattled off some names because now I'll forget people. Keith, Keith Lawyer. I mean, they're just unbelievable how smart some of these guys were. Paul Belt, Beltus, Beltusis. Yeah, a f- former Ford engineer. Just insane so yeah he probably affected my career as much or more than anybody i've ever met yeah i wish i would have had a chance to meet him that's uh sounds like a great guy you want to go next gunrich oh sorry my kid's like I had a bad dream, so my mind's like, "Oh, I can go off you." Bobby, <laughs> yeah, you go. Hold on, I can get my thoughts back together. All right, All right. Um, he's scared. I had to tell him Iron Man was going to save him. So, <laughs> um, so I did have, uh, I did have John Thornton on my list. Uh, that's a big one for me. Um, the. <clears throat> The other one I had on my list, it's not a single person, uh, kind of a group of people. Um, honestly, Skundrich, you're, you're one of these, but a lot of the mobile guys that I didn't even know existed, I didn't even know that was a career, go back maybe six, seven years, and I get on Facebook and I see all these people doing this stuff, like uh, Keith DeFazio. Um, uh, Keith Perkins, I know, was one of the first ones I followed. You, Matt. Um, trying to think of some of the other guys right off the top of my head. But, oh, um, Robert Plentinson, super, super smart guy. Yeah. Um, and just seeing what these guys right. are doing out there. The best. Yes, yes, 100%. The, the, the post that he makes, uh, it's like – reading a book like, like a book you really enjoy You're just like you want to get to see what how it ends up right um seeing what you could do you know and not that you can't do that stuff in a shop but that they're out there going shop to shop solving all these crazy problems and that's their job every day i was just i was honestly blown away that that was a thing and that people were successful at it and they love doing it i'm like this is this is so cool um, and that's, I mean, that's part of why I ended up doing it as a part-time gig. Um, but all those people that, at least in my mind, pioneered it, I'm sure there was probably people before that I'm not even aware of, but 
you know, for me, those are the the guys that are out there doing it. Uh, first, I'm like, this is so cool. I got to go try this. So it, it definitely changed my uh, career from just you work at Firestone and here's another set of tires and four wheel brakes and tie rods, <laughs> you know, there's, there's so much more to it that you can do. So yeah, all those mobile guys out there, um, it was a big deal for me. I remember, um, there was a guy in Tampa, his name's Andy. We're still friends. And I met him through a Bosch salesman, like a Bosch sales rep. And he had a mobile business and I was like, that works. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, it seems weird that it works. I don't think it would work in my area. And so I was doing a bunch of programming and my boss kind of like fired me so I could go try mobile because I was basically had more work outside of work than I did in work. And I went and worked with him for like three months. And I was like, hmm. I probably learned more in three months about how not to program a module than I did programming because he did a bunch of like really random old cars and car lots. And it was really interesting getting to see a perspective that I had never thought of working. And now here we are like six years later. <laughs> I'm still on my own. It's been fun. Um, my next one, now that I got my thoughts back together. It's actually two people, but they're brothers. So I'm just going to lump them as one person. Like Siamese twins. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're just going <laughs> to clump them together because you can't do anything through the one brother. He always asks the other brother and vice versa. Um, the Menchu brothers, George and Carlos. <clears throat> um, yeah. You're like, Oh, that makes sense now. Yeah. I can see the light bulb going off your head. That was funny. Um, but I got to hang out with George for the first time at some, that, that event that had 20 people and they brought in all the high school students. Um, what was that auto yeah, mechanica was, in Georgia yep. or something? I think it was the yeah, second one. God, it was yeah. In Atlanta. Yeah. God, it was terrible. There was like a hundred people at this event. And I mean, probably 4,000 vendors show up. It was ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> but I got to hang out with George there and I know he's smart and does a lot, but hanging out with him for the weekend I was like, oh, you're not smart. You're freaking brilliant. <laughs> so every morning, um, the, we would all have like breakfast together because I was helping in their booth. And it was just one of those things. Just he'd be like, oh, hey, you know, you explain something this way. And while you're correct, I think you should explain it like this. And this is why. And this is the term I would use here instead of this because – if somebody doesn't do what you've done before, they may not fully understand and da da da. And he had this whole breakdown about how I said like this one sentence. And I was just like, that's way better than the way I said it. Okay. Jot that down in my memory bank. So I just, um, and then Carlos, I mean, that guy, he's just fun to talk to all the time. I mean, he's such a people person. Um, I've just enjoyed Carlos getting to know him over the years and, having fun with them and yeah. And the other thing that's really nice is they sponsor a lot of the training events that we've, we've talked about. Right. So the, mm -hmm. they throw in the help at vision. 
uh, if there's an event and they can donate or help or George can teach a class and, you know, they're, they're willing to do it. So they sell tools, but yet they give back a lot to the industry, which is pretty different for a tool sales guy in that way that they have such a great knowledge of not only tools, but also how that tool helps you do your job. And now I know some of that comes from people who talk to them like me and Fanslow and other people. But at the same time, they invest their time to ask questions, to gain the knowledge, to help other people. So the fact that they help other people, they donate back to the industry. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I look up to that because I would I would like to be that guy at some point that other people are going, oh, yeah, hey. If you call Scudner, he'll help you out. He might be a jerk about it, but he'll help you out. <laughs> um, so it's just it's just fun. And and Carlos has been very, very helpful to me. Um, it's been a couple times where I've wrote a post and sent it to him privately. Be like, hey, I want to post this. And he's like, do not post that. You said this. <laughs> this isn't what you really meant. What you really meant was this. And, and I know this is what you meant because you kind of explained it more down here. And so... Um, yeah, he's been helpful in other ways, just even personally and, and achieving some goals with some things. So yeah, I, I enjoy them. I know fans will like them a little bit. Yeah, they're all right. <laughs> Once you kind of overlook the, e- the huge egos, then. <laughs> <laughs> what kills me is I'll call Carlos once in a while and lunch at, and, and he'll be eating lunch because it's like, you know, five o'clock my time. Oh, Carlos, what are you having for lunch today? Oh, I'm going to have this double bacon cheeseburger, large fry, triple chocolate shake. You know, it's like an 8,000 calorie meal. And when you meet the guy, it looks like he eats like a salad every day. I mean, dude yeah, needs he... to eat a Big Mac. I, <laughs> yeah. It pisses me off. <laughs> he mentions it and I put on 20 pounds. <laughs> That's how I feel Frick. now. <laughs> It's a good thing he won't listen this long to a podcast so we can talk bad about him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do you, uh, who's up? Fanslow? I think so. Really? No, I'm out. That's everybody. Um, I, it's kind of overwhelming. There's so many people I look up to for so many different reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's starting to get to the point where you start feeling bad because if you don't mention somebody and you really do look up to them and plus I'm buying time for Patrick masters wire to get through, um, maybe try Venmo dude. (laughs) 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 Um, yeah, you know, like I would say Sherry Hamilton because all the plates spinning for putting together vision. And I think she does Bimmers and stuff like that. Like that's a lot of orchestrating, uh, and then, you know, I just have a whole host of, uh, people and friends that I talk to regularly that I look up to. Um, and I would hate to even start mentioning any because then I'll forget somebody and feel awful. Um, I guess, I guess one, one that I should mention, I think, uh, is, uh, Dan Baumhart who is a uh, test manager 
with uh, ASE. He had a very successful shop in West Ellis, uh, Wisconsin. Gets, you know, talking to uh, an ASE test manager who was at a training conference and ends up interviewing for the an opening and decides to take it. Honestly, probably leaving a lot of money on the table to go try to do something that bene- you know hopefully benefits the trade or the profession. And then just as a person, about as giving a person I've ever met in my life, like the textbook consummate host, the consummate handler, always putting everyone else's uh, needs or um, what's best for them in front of him uh, uh, or ahead of his own. Uh, and just, he's always been like that, always. And <laughs> he is the first person I've ever seen uh, just bust John's balls. <laughs> it was the greatest thing. Uh, you know, the, the, the vehicle ride with Bob Hype, that was, Baumhart was in there and not so much in the vehicle, but when we got to the uh, hotel and the restaurant, Dan was just giving it to John about how he's going to run this bill up and order all this food and then stick John with the tab. And the whole time, Bob and I are just, you know, like waiting for the table to get upended and it doesn't happen. And then Dan goes to grab the uh, the bill or the check John already got it and then he's like yeah yeah Dan good luck sleeping the night like ah it was great it was so great oh there's a guy at a shop that I ended up working at um they called him hippie he had he was an old gentleman had a ponytail and he braided it every day so they called him hippie huh we called him and my first day there he goes hey i got told uh i'm i'm supposed to help you and i'm like "Uh, okay like i'd been flat rate for a while and wasn't used to like any kind he's like look man you're gonna get some really odd cars at the shop if you need something don't hesitate to ask i know we're all flat rate but don't break a car is the most important rule here and i'm like oh okay and he's like you are officially the least amount of timed employee here and i'm like well yeah today's my first day he's like no no no. we've all been working on cars since before you were born so you're the least amount of trained here and i'm like okay and so he's like all right here's your first car and i'm like oh okay i didn't even look at it right i just grabbed it and walked away and i'm like oh that was i guess this is more of a team situation here and so i look at the car it says maserati on the on the ticket (laughs) And then I'm like, what the flip? And I look down and it says, replace clutch. <laughs> like, what? So I walk back into him and I'm like, man, I I don't know about this. He's like, just pull it in your bay. I'll help you out. And I'm like, pull my bay? I don't, <laughs> I don't even know what a Maserati is other than, like, you know, on TV. He's like, just pull in your bay. It's not that hard of a deal. Okay. So we pull it in, and I'm like, how does it have a clutch? It's it's not a stick shift. It, it had, like, paddle shifters, right? You just drove it in. 
He's like, oh, it's got a blah, blah, blah transmission, and it's got an F1 pump in the back, and it activates clutch hydraulically, and it pushes it in, and the clutch is at the front of the engine, and, and the transmission's in the back, and so you got to drop it like this. I'm like, oh, okay, obviously you've done this before. And he's like, oh, yeah, a couple times. Okay. So he walks me through it. We get it all done. And he's like, oh, if you go up in the office, tell me you need the auto logic. And it'll it'll let you bleed the clutch out. And I'm like, oh, okay. So they hand me this blue box, right? And I'm like, I have never touched an Autologic, let alone any European cars at this point in my life. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm fumbling through this thing trying to figure it out. And I finally look at it, and I'm like, dude, this has been, like, the worst first day of my entire existence. How, how do you use this goofy DOS-based system? And so he's like, let me see it. Let me show you. So he whips through it faster than I can even read the buttons. And he's like, oh, it won't bleed the clutch. Oh, it's okay. I'll show you how to jump the pump manually from the wiring diagram. We'll just run the pump and put some fluid in it and manually bleed it. I'm over here like, listen, MacGyver. <laughs> just want to push this cancel button. But he was that way, man. Like, he just, you have to get the job done. Don't care about the car. Just get it done. It's just nuts and bolts. It's just nuts and bolts. And, um... We didn't get the clutch blood, and he went and told the boss. He's like, look, man, we tried to manually jump the pump and run it and crack a line and get the bleed. We can't get it. The boss is like, okay, no problem. Why don't we call Ferrari, and we'll tow it over there. Matt, you got to go with him on the tow truck so you can drive it back make sure it works since you fixed it. Okay. And I drove to Ferrari. He gave me the business credit card. They bled the clutch on the truck after they updated the car, and I drove it back. And then he goes, you ready for your next car? I'm like, yeah. He goes, here, it's an AMG SLK Mercedes. Good luck. <laughs> what are we doing to that? And he's like, I don't know. It's on the ticket. Here you go. And I'm like, have I mentioned I don't like European cars? And he's like, oh, you're going to learn to like them here. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because I'm the European specialist here, baby, and you're my helper. And I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God, what did I sign up for? But that was like the second to last European car I had because I ended up needing like timing chains or something. And he's like, you want to do it? No, no, I don't want to do it. The list of special tools required was more tools than I physically own. No, I don't want to do it. Um, but I didn't work on any cars. I actually watched him do it and asked him 100,000 questions. He answered every question. He didn't care. I slowed him down. But he really kind of instilled in me the read the instructions, look at the car, reread the instructions, look at the car again, read the instructions, then take the car apart. And I think that's why today I'm good at diagnostics because I'll read through every troubleshooting procedure, then go look at the car, read the wiring diagram, go back and look at the car, try to find where the connectors are, reread both those informations, then make a plan to test shoot, troubleshoot the car. So I think without him and his guidance in that, um, I, I probably wouldn't be as good as I am today because... We worked on cars where we had no information. Like that Maserati, I had no idea how he knew how to take that car apart. I mean, we had all data, Identifix, Mitchell. I typed it in, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm looking for how to do this. I don't want to screw this up. And he's like, man, it's just nuts and bolts. Just take the suspension out. A strut's a strut's a spring a spring, a bolt's a bolt. Yep. Don't worry. If you take enough stuff out, the drain will come out eventually. And I was like, you're an insane person. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he could MacGyver anything. There was a... There's a BMW that came in, and it had this core-driven top. Maybe it was a Mercedes. It was some European. It was a Mercedes. And he's like, oh, the cable's stretched a little. It needs a little something to resist it. 
And I'm like, really? And I was standing there, click, I'll never forget, standing there clicking a ballpoint pen, right? Just click, 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 click. He goes, hey, let me see that pen. It's like, why? He goes, man, I bet you if we take it and we wrap that spring around the thing, it'll pull the cable out like a quarter inch and it'll take up all the slack. He goes, it'll be perfect. I'm like, you're freaking kidding me. He took apart the pen, manually round the spring around because you couldn't shove it over the little metal end. It held it in there and it did. It pulled spring out like quarter of an inch, three-eighths of an inch. Top worked. He's like, there we go. It's fixed. Ship it. I'm like, <laughs> what? That's your fix? He's like, yeah, the cable's... <laughs> doesn't exist anymore because it was an older car he's like you can't get it he's like that'll work customer will be happy they can use it this summer he goes if the cable breaks or stretches more we'll we'll figure it out when it comes back i'm like oh, oh okay but it was just stuff like that that just like boggled my mind that people could think that side out far of the box on how to fix something when something's not available yeah i, I, I remember the you- guy uh that i worked with that was like that uh it was pretty early in my career but he would just look at something and know how to take it apart and like really complex stuff. I remember watching him take like an Audi motor apart to do some timing chain stuff. Didn't read the service info. I was like, have you ever had one of these apart before? He's like, nope, no, I'll figure it out. Took it apart, figured it out, you know, got everything lined up and I'm watching him. I'm like, how, how is this possible? Like I would have to read the book, you know, and I didn't, I didn't understand that you could, you could work on that skill and figure that out that yeah it is just all nuts and bolts at the end of the day and yeah there's some some complex stuff to it but you do enough of it and it just it just makes sense at some point or another but um i do remember working with that guy and and seeing that firsthand i was so taken back by it that that you (laughs) that that level existed yeah i saw him do a mercedes Compressor, composer, uh, you know, it's got that goofy supercharger on the side. Supercharger was bad. It like acquired all the stuff. He's like, nah, we'll just take the supercharger apart in the car <laughs> and take it out piece by piece because it'll be less hours than, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, what, whatever you say. Uh, the Volkswagen uh, vacuum pump where they wanted you to take the transmission out um, because the everybody knows that everybody knows you don't have to now, but the vacuum pump is here and then the gear selector like the prindle is here well you just go oh i'll take the prindle off and i'll take the vacuum pump out well the little shaft that sticks up hits it so they want you to take the transmission out well you can just loosen it and tilt it and i remember he looked at it and he's like man boss i think i can take that prindle out i think we can get this out in like three hours he goes how about three hours well me being the kid who read the book every time i wanted to look up i'm like uh that pays like nine or ten hours it's probably not going to come out the way you think. He's like, nah, nah, book's wrong all the time. I'll never forget him hitting the dunk, dunk, dunk. Uh, How long did you say this was going to take? <laughs> and then he's like, hour later, he's like, oh, I loosened the transmission. Look, I got it out. No big deal. I'm like, oh, freaking jerk. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping it was one time he was going to be wrong. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if I have anybody else on my list. We talked about a lot of people that were kind of on my list. Did you guys uh, make any connections with uh, instructors or teachers in either high school or tech school? Um, I, I know I did. Uh, that's why I ended up going back to teach where I'm at. I took the spot of one of my instructors when I went there because we had formed a pretty good connection. And, you know, they 
they they really changed my not only my career but my life because I was just I was just a C average student and I showed up and I was going to do the same C work and they don't want you to do this now in college but they really cracked the whip on me and they were like what you're doing is not good enough. I remember they actually held one of my assignments up in front of the classroom. They're like, this is F work. And I'm like, oh boy, I better uh, better step it up here a little bit. And it worked. I mean, I was like, all right, I got I to gotta buckle down. I got to do it. Um, and yeah, I ended up staying in contact with them. And uh, even my high school auto instructor, uh, Mr. Plumley, um, just, just, I don't know, the awesome, awesome guy. Um, I don't know. Do you have you guys have anybody like that from your early years? I mean, definitely college. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the third, that third year of college I went to, um, still, I guess, I guess we'd be friends now. Still talk to him regularly. Uh, he was an instructor that definitely when I was in his class, we didn't hit it off. Um, that that was a very different situation where um the, the, there weren't i don't want to say that there weren't as many rules which there weren't but it was a different situation where now things are all integrated with the state the state's pretty involved with you right yeah and this is before that and this is before the 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 rules about credits being transferable and all that. So these two college instructors started a third year automotive program that was strictly aimed at electrical and drivability, specifically on domestics, uh, GM Ford Chrysler. And, you know, the, the shop had, you know, at the time, uh, the, a whole bunch of different big box analyzers. So, you know, the sun and, EA, the Sun MCA, Bear 100, Bear, boy, oh boy, Pace, Base, um, the MCS, uh, the, S- the Allen SCA machine, stuff like that. There's circled the whole um, shop area, and we had to use all of them. And we had scan tools, aftermarket, which back in the day, there wasn't that many to choose from. There was really snap on and OTC. And then we had factory scan tools, uh, tech ones, tech two had really just came out and, um, DRB three, stuff like that. Uh, lab scopes. And it was really, when, when I started the first day of, of school, really the first two weeks we had, th- we had like 35 students or 34 students. By the end of two weeks, which was the uh, intro to like base electrical stuff, um, we had dropped down to 15. They had just, it was almost like, I imagine, dangerous imagination, the military where you're just come to class and, you know, their bunk is rolled up or their, their seat is empty now. They would be told, you're not keeping up, try re-enrolling next year. I don't know if they ever took somebody that re-enrolled. Uh, and then out of that 15, we graduated five. So wow. I think for nowadays, that would be suicide. That would be, yep. I, I don't even know how you would get paid. Uh, but one of those, uh, 
instructors, especially after uh, graduation, we really started to hit it off. And uh, I stay in contact with him a lot. So I, I would say definitely him. And I learned a lot from both of them, but really uh, from him, just that really kind of a no-nonsense approach. And uh, just something that was repeated often in that first two weeks was, you know, resistance goes up, current goes down, just beating it into your head. And um, I remember one day he had the Fluke 97. Um, back in the day, That was they would call that the grand piano. It had a whole bunch of keys on it. It had the really crappy screen not like the 98s with that blue on black or black on blue honestly right the background this was more green and darker green and he was experimenting with an adi 110s uh current probe and i think he had must have seen something on ietn or something and he was just messing around with that so you know that, that kind of started the whole lab scope thing for me was uh up there uh, going to that class, for, you you probably know the college is Alexandria Technical College. Uh, yeah, I've heard of that. Um, but yeah, they used to have a third year program, and to get in, they you took an exam to get in. You took um, your two year college instructor had to call them and talk to them about you, and then um, you had to go up there. Okay, up is a relative statement, I guess. But you had to go to the college and um, you would get a tour, but then you got stuck in a room with them with something like a, you know, a bad detective show where they're sitting there on two chairs and you have a chair and they got the lights on you and they're just asking you these questions. And really, they're just seeing how much you could take because they, it was, there was no kid gloves there. There's just no kid gloves. Yeah, you can't uh you can't do that anymore. <laughs> You'll lose your uh teaching gig pretty quick, I would imagine. Yeah. There there some of you if you remember what a PCED is, a Ford PCED. Yeah, the the one instructor winged one of them across the shop at a kid for asking him what what a code was. Like, oh, I got this code 32. What should I do? PCED went flying across the shop. <laughs> This is why I can't be a professor. I would be the guy Sean would read about in the news. Well, today a laptop flew across the shop and <laughs> poked a kid in the head. <laughs> the instructor was thrilled that it only broke the kid's head open. The laptop still worked. <laughs> Programmed the car just fine. Lord love it. <laughs> so my big takeaway from college was several professors. Um, now... My automotive one was, eh, it was UTI. But my Bible college, that's where, like, life really got interesting. Because I learned you could disagree, but if you could argue your point, you were still right. So, when it came to some of the theology classes or this and that, I'd be like, well, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. And, and there's some of them that you can argue and never really get anywhere. Um and the one professor's like, well, okay, so you don't like what I said. Why? And that was kind of his answer all the time was why. Don't say anything unless you have a reason behind it. And so now 
I think it's kind of translated into cars. Like, don't do a test unless you have a reason behind it. So there's times where I'll stand there and stare at something, and I'll be like, yeah, I'm not pulling out the scope to check timing on that. And my reason is, is it says it's in sync on the scan data. Like, why pull the scope to check timing on a car that won't start that has no injector pulse if the scan tool tells me it's in sync? Like, I'm going to go down a different rabbit hole. Um, but it was interesting. It was a nighttime program, so you went one night a week for four hours. And it was from 6 to 10 o'clock. And I would stay after class and ask questions and, you know, be like, oh, you said this in class. I don't necessarily agree with that. Why would you say that? Or why would you say this? And da-da-da. I don't think there was one night, hardly ever, before I started dating my now wife that I left before midnight. I mean, there was a couple times where the professor's wives would call and be like, oh, Matt must be in your class because you're still there till midnight. <laughs> and uh, the one professor, he did the wedding for my wife and I, and, you know, we're, we're still friends. Um, a lot of people would probably know who he is. It's Joe Harvey. Mandy Harvey was on. Uh, America's Got Talent, she was the deaf girl who could sing that got the golden ticket. So I actually got to meet her, and I knew about her from 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 her dad, Joe. And it was really funny because Joe's like, oh, you'll meet my daughter when you go and preach at this church. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so the only thing I could remember about his daughters was one was deaf and one wasn't um, because he had two daughters and then a son that was in school with me. And so – we were talking, and something had come up, and I'm like, oh, you must not be the one that sings, because I knew the deaf one could sing. Like, that was the correlation. And she's like, well, why would you say that? And I'm like, oh, we're having a conversation, and you're not struggling at all. And I mean, perfect English, keeping up with like three or four people around us. And she's like, I am the deaf one. And I was like, what? Um, she lost her hearing w later on in life and could read lips really, really well. And so I was totally embarrassed, but it's just... He's one of them guys that he always challenged me in school. Kind of like Sean. This is a bad paper. I'm like, I got a B plus. This is a bad paper. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'll do better. But yeah, I got to see him again this Sunday because he preached at the church we go to. So it was cool to like talk to him. And he was laughing because it, you know, Bible college. I'm like, oh, I don't want any kids. They're just expensive. And you know, he's like, oh, look, here's your expensive kids that you didn't want, <laughs> you know, so it's it's kind of interesting. Um, Another person that I look up to, he actually mentors me quite a bit. So I feel if I don't say his name, he might call me and shoot me if he listens is uh Robert Silverstein. Yeah, he um, would probably we're in a little chat together. <laughs> he probably would. Um, he's busy he's taking his FAA. Test again. Yeah, to get his $271 an hour to fly again. I don't know, but he can only fly until he's 65. I mean, he's got to be knocking on that door. So, you know. They need him that bad. They don't time care. he passes. Well, this is true. They might change the regulations. But um, <laughs> I want to say him and John Bridgewater. Um the beginning of the year started helping me with some business stuff because i'm really good at fixing cars and i really suck at business um i feel like most people are really good at one or the other not both so you should have um, been a shop there are exception to that <laughs> no, i think so i'd give away everything dutch yells at me all the time for giving stuff away but dutch has also pushed me to do some other things like write more classes um 
I've gone up there and taught for him a couple times. It's um, so he's kind of interesting because he pushes my boundaries, and it's not always in ways I like, but it's been fun. Um, and then George Bridgewater is yelling at me for the same thing Dutch is. So the three of us in a chat together is just thrilling. Some days when. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, this was fun. Let's have a chat tomorrow, guys. Thanks. <laughs> um, so, but, yeah, and Dutch just does a lot for the industry. Um, I mean, he seems like he's always, I mean, he flew me up. I thought he was crazy. He flew me up. We taught uh, a basic electrical course, and I mean basic electrical because that's what fixes 95% of all electrical cars on the road today is knowing how to check the fuse is actually installed in the fuse box and not just that all the fuses are good, um, at least in my case. If you're mobile, Matt, it's it's kind of a common thing. And oh, then I've, I've heard. We taught J20, we've taught J2534 programming after that. And I want to say 20, 30 people in the class. He didn't charge anybody to take the class covered all the food the hotel room for the class i mean i don't know what that cost him but it was a bunch of other shop owners some of the shop owners with their tax i was like man you must have spent like 10 or twelve thousand bucks this weekend between renting a hotel room you know he paid he 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 paid me despite me telling him no because i'm like well you lost enough money and i enjoyed doing it covered you know all my expenses closed the shop down on friday to so his guys could go to the uh, go to the class, and I was like, "This cost him a boatload of money," and and it didn't. He didn't care. He's like, "No, this is how you improve the industry. This is this is what needs to happen more and more." And it's funny because I'm noticing that catching on because there's a shop um, down by me that's having Brandon Seckler come down on a Saturday, and he's like, "Hey man, just sign up for a ticket. The class is free for anybody." And I'm like, "Wow, that's really cool." So. I feel like Dutch is like actually making an impact um, to people, and you know maybe we'll actually get some decent training during the work week. Next, that'd be my next complaint to fix. I want to take classes during the work week, not on my free time on the weekends, because I have little kids and I enjoy my little kids. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a big personality, um, and I I like that he's just yeah he's not not afraid to speak his mind exactly whatever it is. Um, but yeah, uh, super, super awesome guy. I haven't, I haven't known him that long. I mean, the first time he was on the show, I don't know, three, four months ago was the first time I met him, but fantastic guy. He's probably going to be all pissed. We're talking about him too. That's what <laughs> you don't mention him. He'll probably, he, he wouldn't say nothing. I mean, he might be like, really? You didn't look up to me and give me some shit about it because that's what he would do. But now that we mentioned him, now he's going to be all pissed we mentioned him because he doesn't like – that's what gets me about him. He doesn't want any credit for anything. Like he is the anti-credit guy. He's just like, oh, nope, I don't want any credit for it. Don't, don't even mention my name. And he almost somewhat gets offended if you do give him credit when he does something and you mention his name. So it's – yeah, he won an award at Vision – and they basically had to like lie and bribe him to get him division to come get the <laughs> award. <laughs> so that was that was fun. You got anything over there, Fanslow? I see dust burning. 
I mean, I just feel like I could keep going and going. Honestly, it just it's only eleven thirty. Yeah, it just doesn't end. You know, you're, you guys are talking about some of the mobile guys. You rattled off some names. Uh, you know, I'd throw John Rogers in there and Earl Davis. Um, another guy. I mean, yeah, Rogers is a next level, brilliant. And I could listen to him talk all day. Um, Morgan, Justin Morgan. I mean, how much information that guy's, that guy's, like guy's got trapped? Yeah, yeah. He's got the best insults of anybody I've ever met. It's <laughs> <laughs> or euphemisms, maybe is a better word. Anytime, some, anytime something goes wrong in a PMW. Hey, Justin. Yeah, he's... Uh, what are you doing? He's like, what are you working on? <laughs> <laughs> I tell him like remotely what I'm working on. Check this, this, and this. I'm like, I didn't even tell you the symptoms. I know. I'm, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Ryan Coyman fixing cars uh, in a shop in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and now he's... Uh, I would say a fairly, uh, you know, heavy hitter with standard motor products. Uh, just worked his way up and literally worked, out, outworked so many people. So, you know, working in a shop, going to training conferences, meeting people, meets a guy who's uh, developing training for standard motor products. He submits case studies. Hey, I think we might work well together. And then Ryan gets in there and just, kills it works his tail off and then he becomes an employee involved in training and then he's works his way up the ladder now i i think he's technically director of training i think but man hard work uh and then like to go in a different direction uh cassie beach uh might be smarter than everybody else I've rattled off yet. Um, I th- I'm photographic memory. She's got a photographic memory, and uh, she'll I, and she just knows so much about so many different things. She's primarily a uh, service advisor, maybe tech, maybe more service manager. Um, but she can run the show up front. She can be really personable with the client and turn around and be that technician mindset. She may not have her hands on the car, but up up here, uh, I think she can go with just about anybody. Uh, same thing with like Michelle Wynn. Uh, she's a diagnostician for a shop, I think in Indianapolis. And, you know, to ha- to have the ego to be in a shop with a bunch of dudes with a pink toolbox and diagnosing these vehicles and working with the egos of men while also combating all these preconceived notions of clients that, you know, the, the prejudices they have of a female working on their vehicle and even more specifically like diagnostics where she'll 
wait for a customer to leave before she goes out to the vehicle to save the BS of them going like, oh, is she working on our car? Um, I, I don't, you know, is she a mechanic? That she's freaking badass to put up with that crap. It's, it's almost more impressive than, um, confronting people and she would have the ability to confront somebody. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think, I think we could just keep going and going and I would come up with more and more. It would just one stop. I think I look I up like to I almost everybody. Shadow for like a month. What's that? I'm gonna shadow you for like a month and meet some of these <laughs> Me. people. Yeah. Rattled off. And I'm like, I have no. Obviously, That's... you're doing something. You know all these people. I'm like, huh? It's... I mean, there's a lot of money uh, that you pay out. Lots, lots of money. Otherwise, I'd have as many scan tools as you, but I gotta pay these people to talk to me. It's all about how many friends you have. That's how you get scan tools. It's about friends. I need, I need more friends. And you gotta ask. You can't be scared oh. to ask a question. <laughs> hey, that looks oh. nice. Mind if I borrow that? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you need to mail that back to the store after this tool show? It looked mighty nice in my van. I'm thinking we still got 20 minutes. You normally kill it at midnight when we do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm already getting evil eye. So from who? The the one that really wears the pants in the family. <laughs> it makes all the calls. <laughs> Do you do you not wear pants during the podcast? That's kind of awkward. <laughs> it's a kilt. Sorry. Wait, yeah, you you are wearing pants. Oh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we had a deal. Uh, yeah, wait. I thought that you weren't supposed to wear them on Zoom. Well, this isn't technically Zoom, so maybe that, I thought. Yeah. I misunderstood, misunderstood the I, bylaws. I learned from my last podcast to wear pants because I had to get up after three and a half hours of talking about Harry Potter that I had to go potty. And I was like, oh, I should have put pants on. Now I can't get up. So <laughs> now I put pants on the podcast. Lessons learned. And pants, not pajama bottoms. Because I had my pajama bottoms on and they were all like, oh, look at you, mister, getting ready for bed in your pajama bottoms. <laughs> See, we like to pretend in Florida that it's cold, so we crank our AC down at night to like 69 degrees, 68, so you can use those pajamas that you are told you We'd have to buy. We'd still be sweating our asses off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. That's what's sad. <laughs> but from 100 to 69, that's quite a temperature drop. Oh, I mean, what's 90? the weather where you guys are at? What, 80? It's going to be 95 on Friday, so yeah. looking forward to that. Humid, ninety-five. Yeah. Not that humid well, means squat to you. Right? I know. I'm not, <laughs> not trying to imply that. But. Yeah. What are you guys at? Twenty percent? No. It's got to be a little more than that. Yeah. I have a thing up here. 
Well, we haven't gotten any f- flipping rain and like, I mean, maybe, maybe one thunderstorm this year. It's been, it's been just crazy. Is it hazy down by you? Matt? Yeah. Yeah. It's, like you can't see across a parking lot up here. It's super weird. It's uh, all the uh, fires in Canada blowing down here. So according to this, it's 87%. Oh, nice. Really? Yep. Wow, that's super high humidity. Yeah, I don't so know if it's quite Floridian, but... That's higher than what I was at today. I mean, I could walk over and look at my weather gauge if I really wanted. Um, but like yesterday, it rained for 45 minutes. We had two and a quarter inches of rain. I haven't mowed my lawn in about a month, I think, and I don't need to. It's just stopped growing. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So, so a very good friend of mine. He's a like U.S. based missionary with a company that works for Jesus Film. So they modify equipment to send overseas. It's like Matt Fanlow's dream job. They take a projector that's 4K and realize, hey, look, it has all these extra inputs and circuits we don't need. Let's take this projector out of this case, cut the board up, still have the projector work with its same quality, put it in a smaller case so that it weighs less so that we don't hit the or exceed the 80-pound weight limit for international flights. So that's kind of what he does all day. And he's going up to see his mom. His dad passed away earlier this year, so he's going up to visit his mom with his grandkids. And um, he's like, hey, man, can you come over and cut my yard while I'm gone? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. I got a real nice Kubota zero turn, 48-inch cut, no problem. Well, I forgot that this man pays to have his yard, like, professionally fertilized. And he waters it all the time. So year-round, it's, like, lush green. I mean, you could just lay in his yard, just enjoy it. Well, I didn't make it over last week to cut the yard. and realized he didn't cut it before he left. Now you need a hay bind. My... Yeah, my zero turn has the mulching kit on it, so all the blades bring <laughs> yeah. ten gauge steel. I was trying to cut this ten inch tall yard, maybe twelve inch tall, Saint Augustine grass, where you know my Kubota tire is like two or three inches tall. You can't even see it; it's sinking down in. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. There was times I'm, uh, and I was listening to your podcast with Cody. And I'm driving along the mower, and I'm probably going as fast as I can walk. And the 26-horsepower motor is like, <laughs> like it's struggling. There's so many grass clippings. And he's got, like, this circle driveway, and then he's got another driveway up here. You couldn't see either driveway because as soon as the mower got to that part, it was like, dump. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, that's what the engine's supposed to sound like. <laughs> took me an hour and a half to cut his yard and it's a quarter acre yeah, <laughs> wow. with a zero turn <laughs> I, I was like dude you push mow this and he's like well i push mow it twice a week so it doesn't get that bad and i'm like oh <laughs> so guess who guess what i'm cutting again on saturday his yard because that was ridiculous <laughs> Oh, and if you've never driven a zero turn on them little aluminum ramps into a bed of a pickup truck, you have not lived on the edge of life. That is the scariest thing <laughs> I've ever just done. Just back it in. I I think you're supposed to drive them on backwards because that sucker did a huge wheelie. Yeah, you did and do a wheelie. Down <laughs> in the truck. 
Yeah. And and between the wheel wells is 48 and three quarters of an inch because the deck's 48 inches wide and it like barely fit. Oh, God. I had no idea what I was doing. I needed Fanslow to come tell me that I should back <laughs> yeah. it. It was the I had ever done. Just get a run at it, man. Just get a run at it. <laughs> I've... You got a rollover bar on that thing? No worries. 26 I horse, do. you get that thing. Yeah, do, so you're man. good. What's the it worst that can happen? nine and a half more an hour. <laughs> Sucker moves. Well, it's funny because I cut my yard, which is a little over a third an acre, but my parents on the other side of the neighborhood, um, I should ride the mower over there. But they have an acre and a quarter. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go buy a zero turn because my mom had to have foot surgery and she couldn't cut her yard. I'm like, I'm just buying a zero turn so I can cut her yard. But I grew up push mowing my parents' house. First time I got the zero turn, I went over there and cut the yard in 25 minutes. I was like, I hate my parents for making me push mow this for eight <laughs> hours every Saturday of my childhood. So, yeah, I, I enjoy my mower now. It's like my newfound hobby. Just get on there, put on the podcast, and cut away. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've had a few zero turns now, but the one I have now... I don't even get to mow the yard, so the kids. Why is your kid the kids vital? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Free slave labor—that's what children are. Free <laughs> yeah, it was an expensive labor. way to get the labor out of them. <laughs> I saw, I saw a thing. Uh, this little group I'm in, we just post funny things, um, and it's all memes, and it's all got to be clean because you know some of the kids are in there, teenagers. As a guy posted the other day, my kid said, good morning, birthing person. And he goes, without missing a beat, my wife responded, hello, financial drain. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, that is so true. <laughs> you guys got that. Uh... All right, so what are we going to do? What's that? What are we going to do next time? We What are we doing next time we meet? There was a one of you guys had another idea. I got them in my phone actually. The top five tools we wish we wouldn't have bought. Yeah, that was one. <laughs> you know, there's some specialty tools sitting in your toolbox, hands. You're like, oh, I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna do this job, and then we're gonna get other jobs. Yeah, it was always the like the snap on guy or the Mac guy that sell me like, oh, we got this on special. You'll use this all the time. Oh yeah. That's really cool. And I have tools that I never used. They're just in my toolbox. Yeah, <laughs> Brand I was, I was new. Thinking, yeah. I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, does that mean like JLR IDS? And then now all of a sudden I have to work on Jaguar Land Rovers. <laughs> you know, that's why I won't buy an Accenture. I don't want to work on them. I know if I buy it, I'll have to work on them. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of cash uh, to not work one. on them. Yeah, right. I mean, listen, if I bought it and and I never saw another one again, that'd be the best. <laughs> Maybe it's best worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a repellent. I would spend thirty grand and not even complain about it because every time I get one of them, I'm like, uh huh. Because they're always like the second owner. They got racked, but the owner thinks it was pristine. And you're like, look, dude. It's a 2006 Mercedes. It wasn't pristine. It wasn't pristine in 2010. 
Buyer's remorse on what tools. Else? I might struggle with that one. I don't know. Maybe my ego is too wrapped up in it. Yeah, we'll, I have uh, lots of tools that I read. We'll come up with something, I'm sure. Do this again. I think the the live stream went pretty well. It's still going, but uh, I guess. You know what I'd like to see is uh is a way for people to like if they wanted to make a comment or a question, um, they could just type in this. That would be cool. But they have to be multiple multiple guests. What do you mean? All their questions have to be submitted as multiple guests. Oh, multiple guests. <laughs> so a certain percentage chance of getting it answered correctly. Because I've been trying to follow the Facebook thing on here. Sean Hill said that's the reason he came to my key class, by the way, there. was because he heard most of it, most of my programming class, while he was trying to learn transponder theory. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. Oh, Sean Hill had a good comment here. He says, all the talk about tech shortage, more worried about quality trainer shortage when guys like Thornton and Mana retire. Yeah. Where's, where's the and new then, blood? You know, the other one, yeah, the other one I'd throw in there because I enjoyed his class at Vision was Scott Chotten. I know he's been on here a couple times, mm-hmm. but he, he had a, he had a really good class. I took on Vision about misfire and fuel flow and how to read the O2 sensors. I don't remember any of it now, but at the time I was like, that was a fantastic class. I went home and used it a couple times. Now it's been like four years and I don't do that many misfires. I don't remember the class. Yeah. And it, this comes off as a plug. It's really not, but that was kind of the um, driving force behind Tech Talks was to hopefully get somebody that find some of those people. Yeah, right. I don't. You don't have to come up with three hour, four hour presentation to present at Vision or whatnot. Come up with a case study or two or an angle, you know, a thought even, and be able to present it in twenty minutes. 45 minutes, something like that. You don't have to carry the class. And then, you know, how did it go? Did did you get the bug? You know, and that was really the driving force behind it because otherwise it's daunting to try to come up with the material and then do I have enough material and, you know, too much material and uh, to, to get up get up there and present and it's all kind of riding on you. And then how, how is the um, class going to react? Not so much like booing and throwing stuff at you, which isn't as bad as they say. Anyways, it happens all the time. <laughs> um, that. So I'll vent, but here... well, I mean, I'm just saying like, if you get up there, do you have a really interactive class? Cause that makes things really easy or it's very quiet. And it's essentially now you're listening to yourself talk for hours which is, you know, for me, that's brutal. Mm-hmm. And now, because you only have this small segment, you can get through that and then, you know, get, maybe get some advice. Like, okay, this is maybe why you didn't get the interaction you were looking for or uh, whatnot. But really, hopefully, they get the bug and they want, you know, now we have new guys coming in, new people coming in to present, be instructors, whether they work for a big training company or not, even just on their own, uh, to, to keep perpetuating that 
and fighting against what Sean's lamenting. Sean Hill. Yeah. But but here's the issue. And and this is something that I don't know how to correct, but I'll, I'll complain about it because this has been my rut to doing more training. Is when you submit a class, first question anybody asks if it's a big event, vision, whatever, who's sponsoring it? Okay. So if you get a sponsor, then they hit you up with, Tell me anybody who you've trained for, when you trained, I need reviews on it. And it's like, you make it so many hoops to jump through before you even look at my class that I honestly will never submit a class almost a vision again. Because the one time I did it was 400,000 questions. Well, you know, you're not really with the training company. We don't really know. Da, da, da. And it's like, okay. So instead of vision in these other events, maybe going, Hey, O'Reilly's, we know you're always looking for trainers or CarQuest or whoever. Hey, this kid wrote a class that was pretty decent. He needs some practice in training. Or, hey, can you maybe let him teach one of your classes and see how he does? Oh, nope, they just basically blow you off. And it's like, at what point do you keep putting an effort in to write a class to just get blown off all the time? Yeah, or almost like a separate, um, what would you call it, slush fund, something of that nature, where... Everybody contributes a little bit to quote unquote sponsor and and maybe their names are not necessarily linked, but they're all linked if that makes sense mm-hmm. that um like that would give like we'll just pick on you um yeah, give you good. a chance that okay, you know you don't have a direct sponsor, but you're going to be sponsored by kind of everybody, sure to present this class and then you knock it out of the ballpark, you know, maybe they're calling you, maybe next time you submit the vision, they find sponsorship for you, uh, you know, and it's not such a big deal. Cause I think, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And that would be interesting if they had a fund that they could, you know, pick some wild cards, you know, if you will, quote unquote, wild cards where they don't have sponsorship, well, but they're young. Dead, right? the young. Yeah. And they've got, deeper scrimmage they got the class here let's give them a chance and and it's funny because if you've written a class you probably know somebody who enjoys your class would probably pitch in to sponsor it and the couple times i've even like made it through to like questions they're like oh how much do you want to be paid i'm like listen if you'll let me come teach you you don't have to worry about paying me it's like i just want to show up so that later on i can put this on my resume Right? Because that's what it's all about. And then it's like, oh, he wants to do it for free. Oh, he's got to be terrible. It's like, no, I don't want you to worry about paying me. Like, <laughs> just let me come in and teach. Like, you don't understand. I I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, going to Bible college, you get used to kind of teaching and preaching. And so it was one of those things where it's so discouraging. I don't know if you'll have a next generation because – the, the other problem, and I get it from, I, I'm just using Vision because it's the one event that everybody knows. The other event, the other side of this from Vision standpoint, right? And, and I get it. There's only 100 rooms they can use, right? So if they give 10 rooms to 10 people like me who are nobodies, well, well then what? What if nobody signs up for that class? Well, then, okay, that's just, to me, that just is what it is. Um but it seems like if you're not with CarQuest or CTI or Advanced or whatever, World Pack, it, there's no point to submit a class because that's who they're going to pick. 
And the problem is, is let's face it, right? All the topics have been covered at some point by somebody. Ziggler, Thornton, Mana has probably covered every topic with Scott Jotton on the face of the planet. So at some point, you're going to repeat some material. So are you going to take some no-name kid, or are you going to take somebody from CTI who CTI critiqued class, and they know it's 100% factual? I think the training in our industry has got problems in itself that nobody really wants to admit. But yet we're all, but Sean Hill brought up a good point. What happens when those guys retire? You know, who's going to take over? Well, at this point, you're just leaving it up to the big name companies because you're never giving the small guy a chance. Well, I think there is some opportunity and some other avenues for people. You know, maybe they don't end up teaching at Vision, but with all the online routes you can go, whether it be a website or you know, YouTube's probably not the best, but it's it's a route if you want to develop something and get your stuff out there. That's an avenue. Oh God, and don't do anything on. No, I, I know what you. I I totally understand that, but what I'm saying is like there's. Oh God, you so many YouTube on there training. It's like a sack. That you could. Yeah, but that's just it, right? You're. You're in it, right? Because you're a professor. So you kind of understand this. Somebody like me who has four or five classes that he's wrote sitting there and you submit one and you either hear no feedback or, hey, once you teach a little more, we'd like to have you. It's like, okay, can you give me something? Because telling me that is useless. And when you write back, thanks, hey, can you help me like maybe figure this out? They, they just don't respond. And it's like, at what point do you not write classes anymore and just not care? Well, you hit that kind of quick. And I guarantee you I'm not the only one who's ever had this happen to. I mean, if it wasn't for Dutch and Sean Miller, I would stop writing classes. Because they're the ones who call me all the time. Hey, would you write a class on this? Hey, this would be fun to do. So I'll waste 200 hours of my life to write a class for him and not care. Two pretty good names to have in your court slash resume. Yeah, but there. they don't. Well, yeah, but at what point, you know, again, it still comes down to the, oh, well, that wasn't really a corporate event. Like, it's the stuff I've heard just kind of makes me giggle. So there you go. Next time you're thinking it would be great, you teachers over there can figure out how to put a lesson together for people who aren't teachers. (laughs) Teach people how to teach. It's not teaching people how to teach. It's teaching people how to network to teach. Okay. If that makes sense. I mean, I really thought... uh, Well, Fanslow never comes. I don't know if you've come. But, like, I've done four or five free classes on the J2534 page. Carlos came to a couple, and he's like, holy crap, this is a great class. I can't believe you just give away all this knowledge. I'm like, what do I care? not like I can teach it anywhere else. Might as well just give it away here for free. And I feel that that's at least a private class because the problem with YouTube is that trainers get all annoyed that you're giving their stuff away. So, so you're so discredited that you're never going to get anywhere with them. So I feel like the private Facebook group at least lets you practice and get some stuff out of the way. But yet. You're, yeah, but you could, you, you could, could make your own website. Classroom environment. You could make your own website, charge a subscription for that exact class you're talking about and people would pay for it. I mean, that's even, even yeah, if it never got you into vision, I don't want to spend a thousand hours. 
Well, right. But, but even if you never made it as an instructor in Fission and you're not sponsored, you can still help out a lot of people that way or affect a lot of people. That's what I meant by there's just so many different avenues that you can take now. You don't have to be the guy at Vision. There's there's other... I'm just... No, no, no. And I'm not saying, like, everybody should shoot to be at Vision. But in Sean Hill's case, it's like, how would you ever accomplish to become a Thornton? But... I don't know. It, it would be... Because there's some kid out there besides me who enjoys writing classes. Guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Fanslow loves it. Look at him. He's thinking about his next class right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it involves keeping your back straight, using your legs, and for the, you know, the mop and the broom. <laughs> wax on, wax off, or you know, windshields after you do the oil changes inside. Yeah, I mean, it's just circular. one of my vents about the industry. Sorry, I went off on a tangent because that annoys me. Well, what do you say we uh, call this one, huh, boys? What do you want to call it? Okay, oh. I'm going to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> the Matt and Matt show, apparently. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Another big thank you to Matt. And Matt, as always, for joining me on the show. Always appreciate that and like having them around. Um, also, like to thank everybody that's listening and everyone that's reached out to me in one way or another about the show. I appreciate the feedback. Uh, so keep that coming. But other than that, let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.